as a way of reminder, remember we have been through our study of the flood and watched as the waters came um, and the Lord flooded the earth. And there's one family that is left here. Um, we have Noah and his family and then a few animals kind of saved from this flood. And so as we start this morning, I was thinking about um, the fact that they are on this boat for a long period of time. And as you think about that, I mean, you're reminded maybe I was thinking about the movie Home Alone that was really big a few years back and, and this young boy who's left behind and he's there and he has to kind of fight off all these things that come, these invaders that are trying to get into his house. But I think about often we may find ourselves there as people who are walking with the Lord and trying to seek to live for the Lord. Sometimes you find yourself feeling all alone and I want you to be thinking about that this morning and thinking about the faithfulness of God and how these stories are stories for our good so that we might learn to walk with the Lord and, and as we face trial and struggle and, um, and see God be true. And so let's pray together as we get started this morning. Father, we know that Your Word tells us that You are a great and awesome God, that You reign over the whole universe that the whole world is Yours and everything in it, that it is filled with Your glory, that You sustain it, that You keep it by Your power, that Your Word is all-powerful, and that when You spoke it into existence, it, it, Your Word carries it into, it into to even today. And God, we just praise You for that. But Lord, we also know that You're a God who is very aware of us, that You are merciful to us, that You are a compassionate God that is good. And Father, we know sometimes as we look at a text like this and we think about our own lives and we have lived some level of something of what Noah faced in this moment, Lord, we just pray that You would help us see that You are a personal God and that You are faithful to Your promise and that You will do what You say that You will do and we can trust You. And I pray for us this morning, Lord, that we would hear that and cling to those truths in, in light of whatever we may be facing in this moment. In Christ's name, amen. Sometimes as we look at this again, as we're kind of setting our, our minds towards this, we understand that, that often we do seek the Lord. and we, we I mean, I've felt before, you feel like the, the heaven is closed to you. I mean, it's almost as if you're all alone and the Lord is, is silent. And, and I think about that seriously as we look at this together. I think often when we find ourselves there, we need to understand how to live in light of that. And I think you see that in the life of Noah today that the Lord had promised to, 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 to save him and his family. And yet the, the waiting period seems like a very long time. And so what do we do in that? I think we pursue living most to the glory of God as we talked about last week in the midst of our trials, in the midst of suffering, and we wait upon the Lord. As Charles Spurgeon said, when you can't see His hand in a moment, you trust His heart. We trust that God is going to be faithful to what He says that He's going to do and that His ways are always good. And another thing I was thinking about is, and I was talking to somebody this week about just having a really high view of God. How important it is for you and I to know who God is in difficulty and in trying times. We need to know our God. A.W. Tozer said it's the most important thing about you. The most important thing he says about you is, is what comes into your mind when you think of God. Everything else is a domino effect out of this high 
lofty, grand view of our God. And so we need to see God as great and see Him as mighty and see Him as good. And in light of that, it, 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 it kind of infiltrates every other aspect of our life. And so I just kind of want you to hear that this morning. I want you to realize that God's not absent-minded. He is not someone that forgets like we forget. I mean, sometimes we say we're going to do something and you forget it and you set all kinds of reminders. God doesn't have to do that. He is all-knowing. He is all-wise. And He will accomplish what He says that He is going to do. And I think it's important that we know that as we're, as we're thinking about this text, kind of feeling like what is taking place here and we see God's commitment. We're also going to see here is like the issue of covenant. So not only is God going to remember Noah and his family, but He is going to, to, to make a covenant here. And we see in that, we understand that God's covenants, when He makes those, He is faithful to it. And I think we just over and over are going to see the faithfulness of God in this text. And so I hope you see that this morning and, and, and respond to that rightly. So let's start in chapter 8, verse 1. It says, but God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were, that were with him in the ark. You know, when we think about God remembering, uh, someone said this week, they, when they first read that question, they thought, well, what, why, why is this important? Well, one of the things, if you like did a word study just of remembrance or God remembering something, you would find out in Abraham's story as we get into Genesis it's going to say that that God remembered Abraham and he remembered Lot and he rescued Lot out of this uh, he was about to Sodom and Gomorrah was going to be completely destroyed and God remembers them and God says I'm going to bring my people out and he rescues Lot in that moment we also see him there's a, a woman named Rachel who can't have children and she's just broken hearted, but, but ultimately God, God is going to remember her and He's going to bring good to her and she will have a child and that child will help preserve the promise of God, it, it, the child Joseph that she will have. And we'll study that as we move forward. We also, the, probably one that really stuck out to me this week is in Exodus where God remembers His people. And what we know is that actually God speaks to Abraham and He says, your, look, my people are going to spend 400 years in this foreign land, and at the end of that 400 years, I'm going to bring them out. God remembered them. They're crying out, God, rescue us. And He remembers His people. He remembers His promise to Abraham, and He is faithful to it. It's important that we understand that is something that when God does this, He is acting. God is remembering, and He is acting in His perfect time and in a perfect way. Now, if you were Noah on the ark and you're sitting there and you're spending month after month, really somewhere around a year there, and you're sitting there on the ark and you're waiting for God, often, I mean, what does he have to do? He says to remind himself of these truths. And I was thinking about a text that I heard someone preach on many years ago, and it just like was one of those scriptural texts that I would go back to and go back to and go back to. It's from Habakkuk 3, verse 17 and 18. That's what it says. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. There is something about living in this present world that often causes us to think maybe God has 
forgotten us. And I, and I just want you to remember that because you feel that. I mean, some of you maybe this year you're looking for a job and you think, God, do you know my circumstances where I'm at? Maybe you do want to have children and you ask that, does God hear me? Does He see what's going on? Maybe you've been praying for hours and hours and hours about God bringing salvation to someone or to change the heart of your child and you're praying for God to do it. You think, Lord, would You please move? And we just have to go back to this fact. And Often, sometimes, I mean, no question, God doesn't answer every one of the things that we want. I mean, that's a reality. But we do know that in His wise providence that He is going to rescue His people and then finally and fully He will save us and that even in the midst of this present age, as all the difficulties that we might face in it, we know that God is with us. He is for us. Psalms 23 says that goodness and mercy come after us or pursuing us. It's like it's it's that idea that it's almost like warriors chasing after someone that they're trying to defeat in battle. God is pursuing His people with goodness and mercy all the days of their life. And that's important to us. We need to hear that. We need to be reminded of the promises of God. In Genesis 6.18, before Noah ever went on the ark, the Scripture says, but I will establish My covenant with you and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons, your wife and your sons, Wives with you. He's saying, I'm going to preserve you. I'm going to save you. And I, and I honestly have to listen to that over and over and over again. Because I need to hear it. I need to understand that God is with me. He is working out His plan in my life. And the greater my view of that and knowledge of that, the greater my condition is in the present. Because I'm going to face much difficulty as will you. Now, what do we see here? God remembered Noah and what did he do? He moves the waters. I mean, Noah is out there and I mean as far as the eye could see there's waters everywhere and God remembers him and God does something. He acts in history on behalf of his people and what does he do? He begins to take the waters and move them away. Now, what do you know about that? This is interesting. Over and over in Genesis chapter 8, do you know what you see? It looks like Genesis chapter 1. If you were to stop and just pause and sit down with Genesis 8 and Genesis 1, you know, you would come to this reality that God is redoing or bringing something new. He is ushering in a new day. And what we see here is it's almost like a new creation is coming forth. And it's almost like it's a really powerful thing the wind blowing in. We saw the Spirit moving over the waters. It's the same word used here. And so God is coming and He's ushering in. He's moving out the waters. So He's making a way for the waters to the waters really of chaos to begin to go away. And he's, he's bringing back order into His world. It's a very powerful thing. The water really did it symbolize this chaotic thing. And yet God is bringing order in His world and preparing it for His special people. Look at verses 6-14. through 14. I'm not going to read every verse here, but I want you. God remembered by sending a sign from a dove. There's an idea here that you're seeing that God is remembering and He's revealing to, uh, to, to Noah in this moment what he's, he's doing as the waters are beginning to dissipate. Noah's going to send out a raven and he's going to send out a dove and the dove's going to come back with nothing. He's going to send it out again and the dove will come back with an olive leaf there. And what, what do we see in that moment? 
God is showing forth His plan. Listen, listen, this is really valuable. There's nothing. The whole earth has been destroyed by a flood. And though, but, but God is coming back and He's blowing the waters away. But not only that, produce is coming forward. Going back to Genesis 1, God is preparing a place for them to live and to dwell. And something to say, like when we get off, we're not going to starve to death. I mean, this is, it's not like a Walmart's going to be sitting there. You run in and grab your stuff. Right? I mean, He's bringing something forward and He's saying, look, olives that were real central in that region, there's something there. Something that will sustain you. He's revealing His plan here. The vegetation is sprouting up. God remembers him and He speaks to him. This is a really powerful thing too. God is not silent. Could you imagine serving a God who never said anything? I remember a number of years ago, I read something that they have found that would even be back in Bible times, somewhere around these times where a man is speaking and he's in a sense praying to a God he does not know. A God who has not spoken. A God who He dreams up ways to serve Him, hoping that He would appeal to Him and please Him. But this is a powerful thing here. In Noah's life, God speaks to him. God speaks so that He knows what He is to do. And Noah's been waiting there patiently. It's kind of a picture of faith where he's, he is sitting there on this ark waiting for God to speak and trusting in the promise of before, and God speaks to him. And he says, what does he tell him? He tells him to go ahead and get go out from the ark in verse 16. Go out from the ark, you and the animals. He's been waiting all of this time, and he's saying, okay, now it's time to move. I was thinking this week, you know, I mean, as soon as I want to pick up... But, just kind of the Bible's history and, and kind of think through what's taking place. You see that with the children of Israel in the plagues. These ten plagues come crashing down and God rescues them from the plagues and Egypt is just pounded. Even as they pass through the Red Sea, God rescues them from the waters of judgment and then Egypt is just it comes crushing down on them. And then you, you see that kind of moving through and then God speaks to them He saves them and then He speaks to them about what they are to do. But you know what they do? They grumble. They get out there kind of in a sense and they're wandering around in the flood as they go through the passing of the wilderness. They're they're grumbling. We don't see that in Noah's life here. And I would just say to you, even as we look at the Lord Jesus in a much greater way, a greater than Noah in so many different ways, Jesus as He has entered into Any kind of of troubled times, he is waiting on the Lord. Satan comes up and tempts him and says, why don't you get it your way? And he says, I'm waiting on the Lord. That is a model for us in how we should wait upon Him. Patiently waiting for God to speak. Now, Noah comes off the ark. And so we're just seeing like God remembered him. God saved him. God didn't forget about him. God was faithful to His promise. What's a response to that? Like if you and I were to respond rightly to God's faithfulness, what would it be? Forget Him? Would it be to just kind of go, just pass on through and just say, almost forget all this anguish and all these trying times and forget Him sustaining us? 
No, what would be the natural response or what should it be? It should be to remember God. It's it's as if Noah is stepping off the ark and his immediate thought is, I'm going to worship God. I want to praise God. I want to to rejoice in God. Sometimes I think, honestly, maybe it's just when we, like the songs we sang this morning, like when you're sitting there singing those, and we speak of God's salvation, does it rock you? Like to the point where your heart is overflowing with joy because of God's salvation for what He's done for us. And, you know, sometimes it's so it just blows my mind. We are so laxed about worship and praise to God. It's like, what is that? What is that? It's a picture of someone who has walked away from the glories of salvation and cares little about it. That is nuts. And that is a wild way of thinking. No, you are to remember God, His goodness to us, His salvation. That should be a natural response of the goodness of God. He builds an altar there. And He begins to worship. Y'all remember the story of when the lepers are crying out to Jesus? And they're crying out, have mercy on us. And so Jesus heals the ten lepers. Well, after He heals them, He says, you go into town and let the priests see that you're in your position here. Let them understand that you are cleansed and let the the priests pronounce that you can enter back into society and, and go back to your families and go back to work and go back to living life as as you never lived before, at least you hadn't before this disease had racked your body, and only one returned. You know who it was? It's a Samaritan. It was someone who the Jews would have thought, this is filth, but they returned. Sometimes when you look at that, you think, is that, that's, that's the response that we should have to res- re- continually return to God for his, the joy that He's brought in our life and the salvation that He has brought. Just recently, I had a friend who's been in like the last two years of this person's life have been unbelievable turmoil. And I, honestly, there were times where I, I know he struggled with thinking like, does the Lord forgotten me? And, and recently, he's relieved him from some of that stress. And we were talking about this have you spent time and just praise to God for what He has done just in a temporal sense in your life in just the last several weeks? And I just think it's important that we see that, that we would worship God and respond rightly to Him. Now, let's move forward here in this text because we're going to get to, to chapter 8, verse 21, and we see God making a covenant. That God does all of this and He remembers Noah and his family and all these things, and then He makes a covenant here. And there's kind of important things about covenants is usually they are unilateral, meaning God initiates those and He establishes them. They are often, when God makes a covenant, they're eternal, meaning God is eternal and He makes His covenant and it's an eternal kind of aspect of the covenant. You kind of see that. And it's always involving grace. God's like pouring out grace. Anytime that He does anything for us, it is grace. I mean, anytime. I mean, if God does something, He is showing forth His grace. Now, what does He say? I am not going to destroy the earth any longer. That's what we're going to see in this text. No longer will I destroy it by flood. I mean, that's kind of the key. 
He will never destroy the earth again by flood. Another thing you see is as He's kind of moving forward in this renewing of the earth, one of the things that you see in here also is that He's going to institute kind of a way of governing sinful men. That's kind of, I think, important to see. And the last is He's going to give a sign that's going to say, okay, remember this. When you look up there and you see a rainbow, you know that God is working and that He is, he is being faithful to His promise. So I just think it's important that you see it. And I want you to look at verse 21. <clears throat> so Noah makes this. He comes in and he, 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 built, he does this sacrifice before the Lord. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in His heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, uh, shall not cease. What's he saying? This is kind of, when Noah's doing this, it's like a burnt offering. One way, he's saying, Lord, I'm so filled with gratitude for Your deliverance. I mean, I'm blessed by that. The other aspect is the aspect of atonement. It's a blood sacrifice. It's a blood offering. It's kind of saying, like, revealing, like, I know I'm a sinful man and I come before You, God, and this animal would have to die in my place. The picture there, both of gratitude and in the aspect of atonement are both found in this text. And God, you kind of see it's like it's filled with gratitude and you're finding peace with God. God is satisfied with what, what Noah has done here in this moment. You know, God is not obligated to us. He really isn't. God does acts out of mercy towards us. We are rebels and God is merciful to us. There's a lot of things you see in this text about God's commitment. But again, like he's, this is an eternal commitment as long as the earth exists as it exists today. Certainly one day the earth will be, will be uh, purified as by fire, but as long as the earth exists as it exists today, those things, God will be faithful to this covenant. He will never again bring the flood ever again on all of humanity. God has said, look, even though man is very sinful, I'm going to be gracious to him. And that's kind of the third aspect you might see of the covenant. God shows grace to us. Even though man is sinful from his youth. What's that saying? The flood didn't fix man. You see that? The flood that God sent, even though He like purified the whole earth and saved this one little family, it did not fix man. Man was still a sinner by birth and by choice. His nature is bound up in sin and his life demonstrates a life of sin. And God, yet He is gracious and He will never again destroy man. You know what's interesting? This is like a creation covenant. The idea is that all of humanity is kind of, even though they're really sinful, God, God, is, God will not punish them in that way and destroy all of them. Even though man is from his birth a rebel against God, He is going to allow them to live. You live your whole life there's a lot of people who live their whole life outside of God, not living for God, and yet they get to eat and drink and breathe and wake up and have families and get married. All these marvelous things that God has done. I want you to think about one little thing that kind of, I think, really helpful for us as believers. When does God say, I will never do this? It's found most, most clearly in Jesus' life. 
when He is speaking to believers, how much greater grace do we have than that God's not going to send a flood, but He's going to save us? Listen to some of the things Jesus said about our salvation. He says this, He says, whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. He who comes to Me will never go hungry. And he who believes in Me will never be thirsty. If anyone keeps My Word, he will never see death. Listen to what He says. He says, My sheep listen to My voice and I know them and they follow Me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will be able to snatch them out of My hand. He also says, whoever lives and believes in Me will never die. In Hebrews, God's quoted as saying, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. It's a powerful thing for God to say, look, look, I'm not going to destroy the earth, but how much more for us that we get to know that God says He will be with us and He is going to save us and He has promised to do so. It's a marvelous thing when God commits to His people. And I just think we need to understand that. That even when our hearts are filled with sin, and everything in us maybe has rebelled against God. God is gracious to us just to be able to live. But how much more for those whom He showed His grace in salvation. He promises to be with us forever. Alright, I'm going to give you a couple last little things about this text. I think are really helpful. So I want you to just kind of look at these verses and, and notice what takes place here. He says to them, be fruitful and multiply. He's starting over again. And He's telling them to be fruitful. He blesses them in that. The animals, you see that taking place with them in chapter 9. Not only that, He gives mankind, just some little side notes to this, He gives mankind like the ability to eat everything on the earth, not just the plants, but animals and all. He calls upon man. Really, there's something very valuable to see in here. The earth will not be like it was in the earlier days before the fall because used to the animals would would naturally obey man but now that's not the case and so man will have to 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 exercise authority over the animals in a in a forceful way the other thing you see is this you know mankind and our sinfulness we the government kind of is established here where there's this idea of an eye for eye tooth for tooth life for life the idea in this text is this that god is saying Man is going to murder. Man will take life. And we are created in the image of God and we are to protect life. In our world right now, we see the evidence of that. Where oftentimes an infant will be uh, really abortion. What we see in our world where, where honestly, they, people are killing babies and it's, it's a legalized thing and it's, it's not something God intended. It's not the way He intended. Also with older people, you see euthanasia. Some people embrace those kinds of things. But God is saying here, we are to be preservers of life. There's actually kind of the glimpse here of the death penalty where life would be preserved and sometimes life would be preserved by taking a life that would take life just indiscriminately. And so we see all of these things where God is saying, look, there needs to be a respect for human life. I'm going to preserve life and you are to fight to preserve it in the world that you live in. So in this text, there's a million things we could talk about. But we just see here, God remembers His people and God makes a covenant with mankind and blesses them with sheer grace even though they're really, really sinful. And the third thing we see is this sign. God makes a sign. God makes a sign that He'll remember His covenant. God places that sign before Him that they would 
that they would see it and all people would see that the rainbow and see that God is not going to do this again in the way that He did it before. He will not judge mankind in this way. There will not be another flood and He will not destroy even though man will be extremely, extremely sinful. I think it's important that we see all of those things because God throughout Scripture will give us signs over and over that He will do and He is always faithful to what He promises. So as we conclude today, I just want you to think about a few more things. God's silence in your life at times, when He is silent, it doesn't mean He's forgotten you. you, you we need that because sometimes we think, oh my goodness, is God not, not near to me? Is He not watching over me? Is He not protecting me? God is working in the midst of His silence in His perfect time. God always does what He says He's going to do. God is always faithful. When He says He's going to do it, He will accomplish it. We need to understand too that God is, God is one that is preserving life. And, and oftentimes, we need to speak to people and say, God has given you the ability to live so that you might repent today. There is coming a judgment in the future, but right now, you've been given this common grace of God that you might not continue to rebel against Him, but you might repent and trust in Him. And the thing that just kind of came to me this week too is I was reading some is that when we're looking at this text, there were people that came to Jesus and they kept asking for a sign. Jesus was doing sign after sign. There were visible signs coming from His ministry. Jesus looked at them and said, there's one last sign I will give you. Noah, who I mean, I mean, uh, Jonah went into the belly of the well, and the third day he came forward and, and he, he alive. And he says, "So, so I will. I will go to the cross." I mean, that's what he was telling them. I'm going to go to the cross, and and I will be pronounced dead, and I will be buried, and on the third day I will rise again. This is the final sign for you: the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. And I think for us today. We need to hear that. God does not give those signs for no uh, just any reason. He is doing that that you might be saved. And there are people here today, and I'm, I'm convinced of that, who have never really seen and heard and understood the Gospel message that Jesus came for the penalty. He is our rescue boat. He is the One who saves us from the coming wrath of God. And He was buried and rose again victorious. And you and I need to hear and find salvation in Him. We must trust Him. That's this whole story is unfolding. The whole, the whole the story here of the flood is that God is going to judge sin and that our only hope is to find salvation in Him. And He has provided that in His Son. And a response to it should be to celebrate that. To proclaim that to people all around us that God has provided a sign of how He's going to save sinful humanity by offering His Son. And I encourage you this morning to be a person who speaks that to the world around you who will face the coming judgment with no hope. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank You that You have made promises to us that You have promised to save us. That You're restraining Your wrath even today that men might repent everywhere. That they might turn from their sin and trust in Jesus. The final sign, 
the one the, the sign that that brought eternal salvation lord let us see that this morning god i just pray some some of us here today may may have never truly by the power of the spirit seen our sin and trusted in christ as our only savior i pray they would not leave without doing so god we just pray that we'd be a church who would Share the story of Noah, the story of, of you saving a people for yourself, and that we would tell people of, of the coming judgment when all things will be dealt with in the end, and those who trust in Christ will be saved. Lord, don't let us be a people who are silent, but let us proclaim that truth around all the people that we see on a daily basis. Lord, give us a heart for those around us who have never heard. Lord, I just pray as a church, You give us a heart for the nations. Many people all over the world who have never heard of the coming wrath of God and, and yet the salvation that's been offered in His Son who bore our, our wrath that we deserved, who bore it on Himself so that we might be saved. Lord, this morning, I just pray You give us a heart for them as we as we come to the, the Lord's Supper and are reminded of the great gift of Christ for us. It's in His name we pray. Amen.